0: this episode of the local hustlers podcast is sponsored by crossbow equine if you own a business you need to check out crossbow equine for all of your social media marketing and branding needs Throughout her entrepreneurial journey, owner Kylie Bowen has gained a deep understanding of marketing, branding, and telling your story in an authentic professional manner to help you gather raving fans and paying clients and customers. For our listeners only, Kylie is offering a free 30-minute consultation call and 50% off your first month of services. Contact her today at 480-254-7650. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Marty Ulrich of Saw and Steel. How's it going, Marty? Good. Thank you for having me. No, oh, yeah, super excited. To have you. Super excited to have you here today. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes before we kind of dive into Saw and Steel, give us a little, little quick background on your life and what what led quick, you to where you are today.
1: Quick background on my life and what led me to where I am today. All right. Actually, originally from South Minneapolis, so I grew up in Minneapolis. I think before i was 21 i had like 17 different addresses so i kind of hopped oh, around yeah. i lived in everywhere from north dakota to northern minnesota to bangladesh mm-hmm. and um yeah so this is actually my second career um prior to this so i went to school for psychology and so i actually have a background in forensic psychology hmm. and so that's what i was doing full-time up until about six, five and a half years ago when we started this and okay. so completely different subject line of work and so I was a subject matter expert in a bunch of areas mainly credibility assessment Mm -hmm. which is again super obscure so I've Mm -hmm. done a lot of very different stuff but it all is filtered into the current business and so you know ultimately the background helped shape and mold a lot of things that I do today and so I view things very differently than somebody who would have off the bat, gone into manufacturing right, or right. art school or uh-huh. something along those lines. So I have no traditional background in art or manufacturing, um, etc. And so it's been all uh, learning along the way. So as a second career, so to say, hobby job became full time job. Yeah,
0: yeah, cool. Well, I'm super excited to kind of hear you know how that's correlated and benefited you. Um, but first off, how did you decide to get into psychology in the first place? Just a couple of interesting professors
1: mm-hmm. uh, in undergrad and. I was supposed to go into computer science, I took my first class, and I absolutely hated it. And I ended up in psychology and loved it, and um, just interesting. And so ended up doing a lot of jobs. You know, I've worn a lot of what I would call geek hats, and Mm -hmm. so I've participated or assisted in lots of different research projects, Um, everything from predicting human behavior to, you know, I did a lot of training for a long time as a expert in interviewing people regarding internet use so yeah. just all these random tidbits and they've all flowed into now I have an e-commerce you know internet based company
0: and so it's very oddly I suppose hmm. <laughs> that's super cool and so so you're doing like internet stuff what was kind of the job or what was your I guess desire to do for work like for the rest of your life before this came about um, didn't really have a plan uh-huh. so I mean I kind of say you know
1: take the opportunities that you're handed right. and so go with them so you know, we get opportunities all the time. We either decide to take them or let them pass by. And yeah. so, you know, um, I was looking for something to do, high stress, chaotic job, um, and looking for something that was easier mentally, I right. guess, as far as, you know, kind of the feel that and the kickback you get, you know, are is mm-hmm. very different. Um, and it just was really an accident getting into this, you yeah. know, um, ultimately, you know we started as a result of me making gifts you know before this before this business all the gifts I would give to my wife were handmade you know so like I did my first painting for a gift for you know uh-huh. something that reminded uh, me of where we had been um, and then the gift that actually led to the business was I had seen some marquee lights, and this is way early on before they were a thing, and yeah. I said, oh, that'd be super cool to make for my wife for Christmas. I had no welding background, uh, had never done any work with sheet metal or any metal projects really. I had always done uh, woodworking as a hobby, mm-hmm. and so somehow did that, and she posted it after she got it, got a bunch of requests from her friends. And finally, not her friend's husband's. Though. Yeah. Right. Oh, can, <laughs> you, he, can you make something for me? You know, and, and a lot of times there's just a, a lot of vibrato around yeah. that. Right. You know, people will, oh my gosh, I really like that. Will you make me one, you know, mm-hmm. and some of it never pans out. And, um, finally, um, you know, one of a couple of friends ended up purchasing something. And, you know, our first one was for one of her friends, um, who had, an event company, and ultimately ended up being for a retired NFL player, you know, and so that's kind of how the business started. That was the first gig, um, completely over my head, like, you know, didn't know what I was doing entirely, you know, learning along the way, and so again, you know, know, there was an
0: opportunity, and, you know, even though it was difficult, we took it, and here we are today, you know, down the road. Yeah. Wow. So are are you naturally... Like, super good with your hands? Because if I had seen, you know, some metal work with lights on it, I'd think, oh, where can I buy that? Not, (laughs) how can I make that? So how, how did that, how'd you figure that out? Um, yeah, it's, I've
1: always, my dad was an architect. Okay. And so I grew up in an environment that, you know, I built stuff and took it apart. You know, I remember Mm -hmm. taking apart my dad, you know, when they'd get rid of TVs when I was little or a washing machine or something, they would let me have it first so I could take it apart. Um, and so you know it's neat learning about things through interactive experiences. Yeah. and did a lot of that, but I did woodworking you know and so as I was in college and in high school, I worked in all these jobs that you know I did framing for several for several years so you know you're building homes yeah. and whatnot. but I did um, finish everything from finish work to um, other aspects of building you know and so my dad was, always drawing, you know, there were, yep. there were plans, uh, all over the house all the time. So, you know, you kind of come up in that environment. And so naturally you gravitated. There was a period of time I wanted to go to school to be an architect. <laughs> um, my thing is I kind of, kind of want to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of steered me away from that at that point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think it was really just being around a lot of that, you know, building stuff yeah. we built our own home you know I wired our the electrical in our house when I was 16 like you know it, and so really gravitated towards it and so doing it as a hobby in my garage mm-hmm. and, yeah
0: so making that first project or those first few projects did you really enjoy making it like did you feel like it was a passion of yours
1: oh yeah I mean it's fun yeah. like
0: you know I I really don't enjoy
1: buying gifts for people it's really difficult for me to do that because people reject gifts you know, and there's so much um, there's so much facade that goes on with gifts gift yeah. giving and I think there's something you know there was something really genuine about giving something that you had put a lot of thought into whether you know it's not just making it's about the thought and For design sure, yeah. and yeah. you know how that's going to impact someone um, it's just a much more personal connection
0: cool so you make that first gift and then your wife, she said she posted about it. So yep. you, start, you start to get some attention. Was it more of people just like complimenting you saying how good that was or were people being like, Hey, can I buy something? No. Okay.
1: People were asking, you know, if they could buy something. Then that first one came through and then one of her other friends. And at that point, um, be- before we even sold the first one, we opened an Etsy store. Okay. So that way there's someplace for the transaction to occur, you know, and originally, so like if you look back at the first the first image we posted on Instagram I think it's of a wine cork holder so I was doing this like recycled refurbished wood and other stuff and so early on we had both like some wood and metal products and you know kind of seeing where it went and it was the the steel that took off and so I really didn't have a preference you know you're going to find enjoyment in what you're doing otherwise you hopefully move on to something else Um, and so it, it didn't really matter which way I went and so now here I am in metal of course but
2: and six years ago, you didn't even own a welder? No. You didn't know how to weld? No. I had no metal <laughs> tools.
1: Uh, no metal tools at all. Yeah.
2: Wow. What a great story. What a great story. Um, so, you, know, you talked about the personalization of the gift mm-hmm. and that, you know, you, as you put that thought into it, it really made a difference in your wife. So, obviously, uh, your customers aren't necessarily making the gift. Yeah. Um, and so, are you able to kind of do that for them? Like as you're creating things, is that kind of a driving mindset of, of, of providing that special touch? Um,
1: I think in a way, yes. And I don't think it's necessarily in the way most people would assume, you know, if we decide to take on a commission. So we get commissioned to make lots of stuff for lots of different people. And I don't always like it. It's not a matter of whether or not, you know, that's kind of the reality. It doesn't matter whether Or not I absolutely love it or like it Um, you know I'm trying to transpose their wish and their vision um, to this product and I think a lot of times the the expectation I hold for myself is to provide the best quality product that I can regardless of my thoughts about it if if that was me giving it to somebody close to me what would my expectation you know before I would give it to them Um, you know and so Part of it is is that just rolls into the whole mentality of business. Um, we do quite a bit of stuff for um, you know, stuff that's pretty visible um, between whether it's you know TV, movie, celebrity type stuff, etc. But it doesn't really matter who it's for because ultimately, you know, a you never know who's going to see it, and you really never know who it's for. Um, if you wanted to give them the best product possible under no. those circumstances, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, <laughs> Because it's really about, like, if I'm going to take on a project for you, I'm either going to give you everything or nothing. And so making good decisions about that, because sometimes there's stuff you're just not going to be able to connect with. Right. And so that's part of the taking work on, you know, if, if I can't see the vision, if I can't, if I don't think I'm going to be able to fulfill what you want us to do, um, we're probably going to say, no this might not be the best project for us. And did
2: you have that mindset from the beginning or did you have to learn that lesson over time?
1: Um, no, that's just operating. I mean, so part of my prior job was I spent, you know, the better part of 15 years, every interaction I had with someone was audio and video recorded Hmm. and accessible, um, by the court. And so you always have to, you know, so it's a level of, you find yourself following a level of perfection. Um, to whatever possibility, you know, you can. But it, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a mindset.
0: So I guess going back a bit to, to you're getting started, you're, you're getting a couple of orders in, at what point did you decide that you wanted to, to turn it into a business?
1: Um, as soon as we saw that we could pay bills, mm-hmm. you know, it was self supportive. Um, and it, I had the ability because I was self employed, I was a contractor, okay. um, I was able to throttle my other business, yeah. and so I had, you know, that was really fortunate. Like, I didn't have to maintain like this full time, forty hour rigid work week, right, right. eight to five. I had a lot of flexibility in it, and so, um,
0: yeah. Cool. Was it like a like an obvious thing? Like, hey, this is a business that we can do, or was it? Was there a lot of thought that went no, into to figuring it out?
1: I don't think there really was a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. Again, it's you know, kind of go with the flow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, again, it's just kind of how I operate. Take opportunities you can if you can meet those you know expectations or whatnot um you know expectations in the form of business you know being able to pay my bills like so I can't do it because of course yeah when you have a highly stressful regular job and on a a, that's really thankless Mm -hmm. you know that's operating in the background and um and then you have this other thing where you know people are actually like oh you know thank you so much you did this and um people are paying for you to make them something which is Okay. You know, I don't stop and think about it a lot of times, but it's, it's really neat, you know, that you know people pay you to make stuff for them, like, and,
0: yeah. That's cool. And so, starting off, it, it's just you, right? You're, you're yeah, doing everything. Yeah, it's me and my wife. Yeah, yeah.
1: We, in our uh, home garage, um, and it was, and then we had to get a storage unit, mm-hmm. and uh, painting in the rocks next to the house late <laughs> at night, so the HOA and my neighbors weren't on to me, and, you know. <laughs> you're not supposed to operate a, you know, that type of business, a manufacturing business Uh in a, in an HOA. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, but it was really small scale, you know, (laughs) so 930 at night, you go out and paint and, um, and we would wire in the, on the kitchen table, you know, wire up lights and stuff like that and package wherever we could and just, yeah. So it was just me and my wife and it was just kind of a hobby deal at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we sold something awesome, um, it was just, yeah, it was a very different reality. It's, yeah.
0: And so you've always just kind of gone with the flow. Yeah. So at that time, were you hoping, did you have aspirations that it would be what it is today? Or were you just like, Hey, I'm just going to do this and see what happens.
1: Yeah. Just kind of do it and see what happens. Yeah. like, you know,
0: take the opportunity while well, it's here. Mm-hmm. And so
1: I didn't do anything to buffer it though. Yeah. I mean, that's really the reality is like, it's coming. All right. Keep taking it. And, uh, Yeah. So, but there was no, like, five-year plan, like, right, right. thought out, you mm-hmm. know, there was no hardcore business plan or model and say, this is what I have to do, because I think that really, sometimes that artificially confines you to some made-up reality, mm-hmm. like, you know, so have implausible dreams sometimes, you know, people think you, you know, you know, I could things now that I think about doing are, now that we've been in business yeah, for yeah. years and, you know, seeing what we are capable of and, so, you know, so yeah, you might have some big ideas at times, but will they, you yeah. know, if they come true, cool. If if something else happens, that's mm-hmm. cool too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, the
2: yeah, things you're able to dream up of today are much more grandiose than four years ago or five years ago. Right? Yeah. So has that evolved though? Have you created a more of a formal business plan or are you still oh. kind
3: of... Uh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, know?
1: I mean, we have a fully operational, a fully operational business at this point, you know, we have... Uh, on average, we have eight employees, you know, and so we have several full-time employees. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so businesses thought of much differently early on in a lot of ways. But in other ways, you know, it, we function on a whim as well. You know, yeah. I get an idea and we can process it through and it can become a reality. You know, like, hey, I was just thinking about this. And, you know, we've got this product or we could modify this product to do this. And I'd really like to see it in this store like let's follow that path and and we can accomplish those things really quick, you know? And so, so while it's definitely more formal and more rigid and all of that aspect, I have a team of people that can help manage those ideas, which become realities. Um,
2: Are your employees creative designers also, or are they more, Hey, uh, here's my idea. Here's the plan. Go make it. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, they're additive. Everybody is additive um, in different ways. Um, You know, but ultimately it's kind of like I'm the engine, but I can't function independently. You know, it takes all of those components to operate. And so, you know, sometimes I need my ideas throttled (laughs) as well, you know, and so it's good. Like, you know, I, I enjoy having the team around me too, because it motivates me and it helps guide me at times. Um, I get lots of feedback. Um, and so, you know, so as we're creating and making new stuff, um, know i might make something that nobody knows about that's going on you know i do this pretty frequently and then i'll send them all a picture of the finished product and ask for feedback colors this that everything else and so they are creative in that way that you know i'm looking for other view viewpoints because our customer base represents lots of different people yeah um and so making sure that you know we're creating things that are of interest to not just me like you can make all the cool stuff in the world, but if nobody buys it, you know, right. like you're not paying your bills. Yeah. Um. So, you end up with lots of projects that sit by the wayside and you know, sit in the corner of the shop and <laughs> collect dust. And then you've you got an expensive hobby. Like, oh man, business, yeah, right? like, this is really <laughs> cool. And so, and then, yeah. So
0: cool. I'm curious because there's a lot of people that do start off with a big business plan with goals and aspirations, and because of you know circumstances, it doesn't pan out to what they imagine it to be. And you, I guess, kind of went with the flow, and, mm-hmm. and here you are. What are some things that you did throughout that process between you know five six years ago and now that that's kind of led you to to the success you've had? Learn, learn to
1: operate. You know, um, again, no background in any of this, so having to learn everything from you know operating CNC machines to being able to fully design um, yeah. and create things that. I can, you know, go from thought idea into finished product in a very very short time frame like, you know, I mean, there's some stuff that from thought to actual fabrication might be 30 minutes, you know. Right. Um I don't have to go through all these places and so a lot of it's been learning like I had to learn to operate that machine. That was a lot of trial and error. Yep. I had to I've been working at design programs now for five, you know, every day. And so um having to learn all of the individual components of a business, right? It's not just a it's made up of lots of different things, you know, design, fabrication, in our case, um, you know, um, painting, finishing, wiring, electrical, and shipping. And there's all these components, and there's reasons why there's huge college and graduate programs that specialize in everything from logistics to um, all of these other areas. And so really, you know, so I strive to become an expert in all of those areas. (laughs) So in order to bring somebody on to operate that component, you know, Takes a lot of information, you know. I, I know more about shipping now than I ever hoped to, right? <laughs> you know, and so the amount of time we've spent learning to—it's just learning so much learning, and that—and that's where so you, you can uh, you can think ahead. Yeah. Um,
0: so. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's one of the keys to growing and scaling a business: is kind of putting yourself in that position and learning it, knowing about it before you hire someone. <laughs> So you know what that role is supposed to look like and that you can better manage that person in that role. Is that something that you just naturally learn or did you read books or have role models that kind of helped you out with that? Um, No, just ask a lot of questions. You know, I I think I've
1: always been a little bit rebellious in the fact that um, question everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, Um, but yeah, it's trying to learn from any method possible, you know, I'm, I'm on lots of different, you know, Facebook groups for a second or for example, um, and they're, they're specialized yeah. ones. Like I might not do that thing, but I'm using that as an opportunity a micro, you know, this mic, micro opportunity of information, you know, we're taking so much information. And so like on Facebook, most people are looking at what their friends are doing and all this other stuff like, Oh yeah, they went here and did that. And you know, half my feed is all these groups of stuff that's completely unrelated. And I might mm-hmm. not, you know, you know, from, auto painting group, so I can, you know, find improvements, what's necessary. They're talking about costs and all this other thing, um, to, um, you know, design or type of machine. Like I don't even have that type of machine, but before buying it, I'm going to have a full spectrum of knowledge about its limitations and how to optimize it into my workflow. So that way, you know, I can hit the ground running yeah. and, you know, and that's where you can, you know, more efficient, you become with all of those things, the different types of jobs you can take on. Um, You know, you can pitch bigger runs of stuff to um, different people. So instead of just doing one thing, you know, you become efficient enough because of all these things you've learned and, you know, you can optimize all of it.
0: Cool. Tell us about the the first employee you hired. How did you know that it was time for that hire and what, what was the position that you filled?
1: Because I was working way too much. I have a history of working a lot I like, <laughs> have worked for 100 hour weeks and it's a little bit sad at the same time wow. you know like a lot of my life has been consumed with work but because it's passionate yeah and so but at some point you just there's just too much work hours, now, yeah. no matter how efficient you are it just you can't handle it and so you know finally found somebody and you know we were our first employee we were looking for someone that we weren't looking for because we because our business kind of falls outside the lines of multiple other businesses. We're not, we don't really fit in a good, um, you know, there's not any one good group of people. Right. So to say, so lots of different skills. And so, but a lot of it's passion. You want somebody that's passionate about it. That's somebody that's going to be invested in it, you know? And so somebody that's doing it for a hobby, you know, they're on that edge of doing it professionally Mm -hmm. or versus a hobby because, you know, they're motivated. And so we were able to find somebody and they were with us for several years. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, and that perpetuates itself, you know, yeah. and then you're able to do so much until you, you're you so busy that you can't handle it anymore. And, you know, and you start finding people to do other components, you know, yeah. and it's difficult with small businesses because you need people that are able to wear a lot of hats, like, you know, like some fact, you know, thinking of factories, you know, that we go through like, we go through like 40,000 zip ties every nine months. Wow is a lot of zip ties. Like in a lot of big factories, there's somebody just doing zip ties, right? Mm -hmm. That's all they do all day is just zip ties. But when you only have like three employees, you know, (laughs) you have to do be able to do zip ties, but you also have to do the be able to do the wiring. And when I also need your help, I need you to package that. And I need you to paint prep. And you know, and so you have to have somebody that is able to focus on and take on lots of different tasks. So it's just, you know, the people you have to find. That's why I think sometimes it's you hear people say it's hard to find good help. Well you're your expectations are much different than in like corporate job right you need somebody that can do lots of stuff decently and not just one thing really well because one thing really well isn't helpful for all of the other stuff that's happening in you know that smaller environment so you know you keep growing like we just added to social media because like I didn't partly didn't want to give it up but I just had no time Mm -hmm. you know and so understanding when to do that is a difficult thing but you know so. It's just as you need it, what things are consuming the most of your time. So to go back to your original question, the first person that we hired was somebody to do fabrication okay. and help me wire. And so some of those things, so yeah. take on some of those big chunks.
0: For sure. Uh, Were you nervous to kind of let go of that and trust someone to do okay. some of the fabrication? Oh yeah. Yeah. You mentioned you're a perfectionist.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. One could to some degree. So, you know, I have high expectations for myself mm-hmm. um, and for the work, you know, it's so, um, so yeah, I, I Maintaining your vision um, and expectation of quality of work product, um, yeah, it's super. Yeah, you know, there's this inverse relationship. Yeah, like, you know, the more concerned you are about quality, the high, and higher expectations, like you know, more difficult to give it off. And so, versus like you know, if you don't really care, you know, like hey, whatever, yeah, I take it. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you know, um, yeah, for sure, definitely yeah. a little bit of a.
0: How do you manage? How do you let, let go enough to trust them but not to you know over micromanage them and, and let them do um, do what's best it usually
1: involves fatigue which is kind of might be a weird answer but i have to be so exhausted mentally and physically from the volume of stuff i'm having to do that i'm over almost overwhelmed yeah you know and which isn't necessarily i'm i'm aware that that's not necessarily a good thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. but but that's one of the things that when I start feeling that, that's when I finally say, okay, okay, I've reached my maximum capacity, so to say, and there's this n- negative return on efficiency, yeah. so to say. Um, and so you just, you know, you're exhausted. So you, even though you're super efficient, you're like, you totally throttled um, because there's not enough left. That's cool. So, yeah. Doing. And so you finally like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to let, let it go. And so, yeah, yeah. recoup
0: a little bit. Nice. Um, I think a, sm- a lot of small business owners can relate to what you said where, you know, when you're hiring someone at a, at a small scale, you can't afford to hire someone to just do zip ties. But at the same time, you can't, you know, look for a resume that someone can do zip ties and fabricating and taking calls and shipping yeah. and all these things. So what's the main thing you look for when hiring an employee?
1: I look for a lot of weird stuff. Um, and I don't know if I can necessarily conceptualize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're looking for skill, you know, skills that are related in some way, like yeah. you know, um, other activities that they're good with their hands, right? And like, you know, I pay very people very well, but I also, you know, we work hard, and so it's like, you know, I, I was, I did all these uh, um, endurance things before, you know, I used to do like ultra marathons hmm. and stuff, and those are just kind of extensions of like how i yeah how i function right I, I like to test my performance ability so to say you know whether that's at work or other things you know so you know it's it's a certain mentality and you you get that when you talk to people um you know it's a level of motivation um, finding people that are motivated which, is, which can be difficult, yeah, of course. So yeah, I mean, so I don't think you know that's a lot of, just a lot of interacting with people. Yeah. yeah. So being willing to willing to interview a bunch of people rather than just like one or two, um, you know. And so it takes time, but sometimes we'll interview a bunch of people um, for one position. So just until like, okay, we want to see all of our options.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Right. right is is turnover an issue because you're you're looking for someone who has this startup mentality uh-huh. that can do multiple things and is kind of self-driven hey there's an issue i'm going to go solve it like yeah. you can like in in your environment you can't just babysit people and tell everyone exactly yeah. everything they need to do and people with that mentality generally are looking to grow themselves in yeah. new opportunities. So um, is there enough within your company for them to continue to grow within? Or yeah. do they do their thing and then like, hey, I'm going to start my own thing yeah. and go on and, and that's start why, them.
1: And that's why vision is important. You know, like how big do we want to be? No. What is our goal? Um, you know, and growth is always, you know, something I'm interested in. And so being at least moderately transparent with everybody around you so they're aware of what your vision is, you know. Um, and making sure they see it enough and talking about it enough, um, that it's one of those things that early on, you know, okay, right now this is what you're doing, but you're learning the whole thing of it. That way, as we grow, they, they will then manage, you know, then they are going to have an assistant, you know? And so thinking about it and operationally preparing for it, you know, telling my one guy that, Hey, you know, to some extent, um, like, you know, we, when we get to this point, Um, that you can't do it on your own, then we're going to bring in somebody part-time and start training them. And so that will be your responsibility. And at that point, you know, there's a pay bump and all that other stuff. But, you know, they're really in charge of that area, you know. And so we have had some people that have been with us for a long time um, that have – they can see the growth potential. Mm -hmm. And so they've – you know, they're on board with that. And so, you know, they assist with it. So –
0: Cool. You mentioned Etsy earlier. Uh-huh. Um, you still use that as that as your is our platform. primary source
1: of sales. Cool, really? can, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So,
0: can you talk a bit more about just the platform in general? Why you chose it? Just for business owners that are kind of wondering, you know, where they should start in terms of selling a product.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Etsy. I hear lots of good and bad things. Yeah. It depends on what market you're in and what you're trying to do. You know, I want to say they have like I want to say is it like it's like four to seven million stores on there. Mm. Right, which is huge. Um, I think early on it was because it was the primary location. Yeah, you know, when we started our store, it was a primary location where handmade goods were sold. Yeah. So that's what we were doing. We were hand-making stuff. So let's let's start there. Mm-hmm. And we've just decided, you know, through lots of things that it worked really well for us in a lot of ways. Now, we do lots of other stuff off of there, but we do a lot of stuff that's word of mouth or that... Um, Again, we make lights that that spell stuff and other kinds of stuff, and so you got a highly visible product. So yeah. lots of work comes from other places now, uh, but we still stick with Etsy, you know, and sometimes people say, oh, I, can, I don't sell anything. It depends what market you're in, you know, and are you doing the same thing that there's 10,000 other stores literally mm-hmm. selling, you know, and so you have a lot of competition. So to stick out is really difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I like the review system. It doesn't give you the ability to delete them, things like that. Um, you know, so they're pretty straightforward and realistic. And that fact that you don't worry that the, who, whoever is hosting it is modifying that or letting the, the business modify it. Right. Um, and that's really, you know, that's a double edged sword and that can be <laughs> scary for some yeah. people, but, um, we've, we've really liked that. See, I mean, it's, yeah. it's worked for us. Um, and so, I don't know, we're just still there. I mean, we do, we have plans, um, but we're still, I think I think this is still, we're still in the learning right. phase, yeah. right? You know, expertizing in all these really random areas and optimizing right, right. things, you know, like, but like the last year we've been spending just ridiculous amounts of time on shipping stuff. You know, shipping is such a huge component because 98% of our stuff basically ships. And so, you know, um, it's a good opportunity we're in that environment, you know, I'm still learning about all these other things. Cool. So,
0: yeah. With Etsy, is there a way that they, because like you said, there, there's sometimes 10,000 other businesses selling the same thing as you. So, do they, you know, promote you or other stores in any certain ways? Is there a certain algorithm that makes certain stores show up before others? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's always paid for advertising.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we have some paid for advertising, but, um, but yeah, I mean, just making sure that you're fitting in with all the SEO requirements, yeah. becoming an expert in SEO um and algorithms and understanding what algorithms are really looking for you know and so um that's just really helpful so like just paying money to somebody isn't necessarily the best method because mm-hmm. it's really good to understand how how that process is working you know how are you getting charged and all of these other things what things are going to help boost those yeah. etc so making sure that you're consistent with them because you know in social media most algorithm or most platforms the algorithms are made it to benefit the company. They're made to make money. For right? sure. That's how they yeah. That's how they generate revenue. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so thinking of everything you're doing, how does this, how does me doing this thing on um on my site or this, et cetera, impact, you know, their ability to make money. Yeah. Um, you know, which is really important, right? And For so sure. yeah, and so in okay. being realistic mm-hmm. about
0: that. Do you do any other sort of paid advertising?
1: Um yeah, we do some Etsy actually has a They've had some pretty good programs over the couple of years. Um, I'm not as familiar with them fully, so we have a. I guess she's our closest thing to a, a GM, um, but she's our you know our sales manager. She handles the HR stuff largely, um, and all these other things. But they've had really good programs like with Google Ads matching, and now uh, now Ad Money is their algorithm is it feeds out into multiple other platforms, and so. Um, based on what fits best under those search requirements. And so it auto feeds, you know, so I'll have, I'll randomly, you know, have people like, Hey, is this yours? You know, type of thing on some other weird platform. And yeah, and that's how they get there. Like we don't advertise on that other platform, you know, directly. It's just uh, some coordinated partnership through Etsy. So they've had, you know, and so we've been, we've been able to utilize those rather than having to um, have, you know, all these paid for ads in all these different places. So uh, again, making it a little more efficient.
3: Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingo pools 480 com and four eight zero four two two six zero one
0: three.
3: Why don't you tell us a
0: bit about you know your actual product? What are some of the things you sell? Because you have some custom things, right? But are there also yeah, some, uh, some standards of, that you guys make? Yeah, or?
1: most of what we make is, has been designed by us in house, me, I guess, mm-hmm. and then the feedback from my team. Um, so most of what we make are lights and decor, yeah. um, all made from steel. Um, so Everything from marquee letters to animals to lightning bolts, cactus, you name it. You can think it, you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so do that stuff. And then a lot of wall decor. So we don't post as much on our social media about the wall decor though. Um, and some of that's a branding issue. We're known for lights and that's our primary product. But, mm-hmm. you know, we do all this other but stuff that I consider more artsy. Yeah. Um, you know, wall decor stuff that uh, is sold in retail stores, uh, yeah. I mean, so that's most of it. We do some custom orders, um, we probably do you know, I don't know, three or four a month that are custom. It's just you know, in
2: someone the, commissioned you to do yeah, yeah. Product. And
1: it used to be a lot more. We've just really throttled back on that because you know, in the workflow, it's not as efficient. I know a lot of times people. Oh yeah you know custom is where it's all at well, it just depends depends on wha- how your operation yeah, functions. Yeah. you know For me, some of the products that I've designed, you know it's easier for me to make it's easier to make 50 of them than one. you know it does, it's you know the setup time, the finishing time, you know, the cost of what you have to do is is easier to do big runs of them. you know that's why we have <coughs> excuse me <coughs> you. know Big conglomerate manufacturing companies, yeah. you know, they make really, you know, I always tell my wife, you know, like candy bars, right? Candy bars are a really cheap price point, but they make a billion of them a year, hmm. right? And so, not that we want to make a billion of anything in a year, which even though I don't wouldn't mind, because that means people are buying uh, product from local, meaning local in the perspective of the 50 states, right? Yeah. Products that are produced here um, and sold here. And so the more that I can sell, the less that people are probably going to buy from imports.
0: What's been your favorite product over the years to create? My favorite product? Man. I don't know. I don't even know if I
1: have a favorite. Um, the things that are favorite to me are stuff that are one off stuff that I've made for myself, stuff that's probably in my home. Mm -hmm. So I have some projects that I've done, um, that I've never posted pictures of and they're, you know, things that I made for my kids. Uh, and I've just kind of kept those for myself because yeah. they are my favorite. No one else, yeah, when you make a lot of stuff and a lot of different stuff, not everything is in the public domain. And, you know, we're in a business because we make the you know, we'll make those things more. And there's some stuff that I, just for the time being, you know, they become my favorites because again, there is meaning in it. So it's like it's a different level of attachment yeah, yeah. to the product. For sure, so there's love. It's made with love, so to say. Um, so those are usually my favorites. Cool. So I don't know if I have a, you know, I I've, I've met people in random places in the U.S. and we were on a vacation in California and somebody said, "Oh, what do you do?" I said, "Oh, we we're a." own a commercial art manufacturing company that's kind of like the technical yeah. thing but you know artists we make lights decor oh like what kind of stuff i'm like oh like vintage style marquee stuff so, oh do you make those cactus <laughs> yes we make those cactus so i mean there's some stuff like that is you yeah. know it's become kind of brand specific i yeah. guess you know, we make a lot of cactus <laughs> um I never wanted to be the cactus guy though. Because I don't even, you know, I don't necessarily love cactus. I don't hate them, but it's, you know, it's just kind of like, okay. You don't necessarily uh, hug them. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, I randomly made the first one and we listed it and sold it in 30 minutes. So it said, okay, well, that might be good to make some more of. And yeah. So, I mean, not my favorite, but definitely one of those things that's like, okay. Yeah.
2: You see a lot. Now, you've got art all over the country Mm -hmm. Uh, and all over the world, really. You've got Mm -hmm. pieces and in, uh, multiple countries. Uh, any, uh, famous pieces that uh, you're particularly proud of that, uh, we,
1: we do, we do a lot of stuff under NDAs. So non-disclosure agreements. Gotcha. And, um, so like we will post, we'll post some of the bigger stuff like celeb stuff, etc. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Like I'm, I've got four kids and I have a business so I don't really know. I I mean, when I say I don't know who anyone is, I don't know who. Um, We we just posted recently a project that we worked on with uh, J&J Design Group out of uh, Scottsdale and it was for uh, Russell Wilson and Sierra's homes and uh, I didn't know who either of them were. (laughs) oh, my wife is like, oh, that's really, really cool and I'm like, oh, who are they? Um, But it's like that a lot. Um, There's some that I've I would say when they're in my wheelhouse has been really cool like we did uh we've done a couple things for a couple artists that you know were kind of fun Like and again we didn't know who it was for and so this kind of goes into that mentality of um you never know who the product's really for and it doesn't really matter because that product should be the same regardless of who's getting it it doesn't matter if it's a celebrity it doesn't matter if it's you know, some just trees, somebody yeah. else, some random person, it shouldn't matter because you don't know who it's really for, but more importantly, you don't know who's ever going to see it. Um, and so there's been a couple of cool ones that, you know, like we, I listen to a lot of EDM you know, I'm like a 40 year old big fan of EDM I still <laughs> wear my hat backwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we did something for Cascade. I don't know if you know who that is. I heard of him, yeah. Um, yeah. But it was, it ended up being on his album cover. It was kind of cool just because, you know, this is, this is a musician that I listen to on a regular basis. And so that's always kind of cool. And so I always joke, it's kind of like artists who inspire artists, if I call myself that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that's, I always appreciate that. Like, you know, listen to the music when we're making it. And then the only reason we found out is because, uh, somebody left a review or whatever and said, Hey, check out the new album or whatever. And went over there. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Um, but uh, not for other than the fact that, oh, yeah, this is somebody I, I'm inspired by. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, there's lots of stuff we've done. And it's, and you know, my wife is always says, oh, it's really cool, but can we post it? <laughs> That's usually the thing, you know. So yeah. you do all this stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, we just did this stuff for this person. And she's like, can we post it? You know, no, I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, because kind of the mentality is it doesn't really matter because, again, who else is going to see that? right who else is in that person's home Um, you have again these are taking the opportunities that you're given right excel at it you know make sure that it's great um, and respond uh, and make sure you're responsive again it's going into taking those opportunities to shine yeah Um, because who else walked through that house who are they you know who are they friends with Mm -hmm. so it's not just thinking about that one person so to say
0: that's cool I wanted to talk a bit about your your background in psychology mm-hmm. and how that has kind of influenced the work you do and kind of given you a different mindset with, with everything you do. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's really odd things like um, like
1: light bulbs, which is a really obscure thing. Um, and we get asked a lot, you know, why we don't use more LED bulbs. And part of it is because there's a significant cost increase. And so trying to stay within a certain a certain price point mm-hmm. is really important um we have that and they look different and a lot of times if you've ever looked at an led diode or whatever if you look at like they're really bright and abrasive right yeah. and so our typical product you know that we've sold you know we've sold thousands and thousands of products has these warm white light bulbs they're soft they're yeah. inviting and so what is that tell you about the product and then you switch those light bulbs out and they have a tendency to be really abrasive and so you don't want to look at them directly and so if you don't really want to look at it then what's the point you know like why are you going to buy a product that is abrasive mm-hmm. for you to look at because you're probably not going to do mm-hmm. things like that yeah um or random things like posting online like i'm Things like making sure things are centered and cropped appropriately, et cetera, because, again, you only have a microsecond to capture someone's attention. And even though somebody might not say that picture is off-centered, you can tell something's not okay with it, right? It just makes you a little uneasier rather than, you know, so taking the time to do things like that, um, making sure... um, yeah, I mean, it, it bleeds into everything. Yeah. You know, like packaging. I talked to my guys. We have really simple packaging. We use, you know, straight brown boxes with no writing on them, one stamp, and a label, and, you know, fragile stickers, but no fancy high-end boxes because most of the time when people get a product, what do they do? They're going to throw up the box right away. Mm-hmm. This isn't something they're keeping around, <laughs> and we can pass that on to our customers, but, you know, opening the box. Like, okay, if you're have if you wrapping something and you have to tape it, put the tape on the box. Put the pretty end on the Upside, you know, it's like unboxing. Yeah. That's really just psychology, marketing. Um, you know, all of it. It, it all rolls into it. I, I've always kind of said psychology is the underlying foundation to all. You know, human interaction. Mm-hmm. You know, cognition, perception, behavioral conditioning, emotions, etc. Um, how do the things we say and post affect people? Um, all the way around. You know, whether it's centering of your picture to something you said, and so it also makes it super difficult because I overthink everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where sometimes it's nice, you know, at the same time to bring somebody in because I'm like, okay, need to let it go. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. How about from an employer standpoint? Does does the knowledge of psychology help you with, with your employees when um, you're interacting with them?
1: No, I mean, don't really use it, anything in yeah. there. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I'm in the shop every day, so I'm very connected. Right. Um, uh, I wear a lot of different hats and I like that, you know. They all know I work a lot, you know, and so it's not like I've just checked out. Um, I don't think I will ever check out until I'm to the point where I want to be, yeah. which is not where I am currently. And so as I continue going down the road, you know, I just want to be able to do uh, some more stuff that I can. But, you know, right now it's the employees just you know, practice as you preach, you know, do as I, you know,
2: you know. You mentioned you're an ultra marathon runner. Well, I used you to. Be. Used to. <laughs> yeah, back right. in the day. Back that, that, day. That was my question because yeah. right? you also <clears throat> mentioned that work is uh, kind of all-consuming. Sometimes you work six, seven days a week mm-hmm. uh, with all the demands. Uh, are you able to balance a little bit? Or what, do you, what do you do to intentionally create uh, some personal self-care and wellness for yourself? Yeah, and so I do.
1: It's weird. My days are broken up uh, oddly. Again, like we have four kids, and so my wife is is um, a nurse. And so she works evenings and so she doesn't get home till like eleven thirty. And wow. so I mean so I get up every morning with all with our kids. And so from six to about eight, I'm with all the kids and get them ready for school until you know she gets up and finishes them up. I have to bring two you know, I bring two of my kids to school before I go to work. And so I always have that two plus hours, which is nice. And then I'm always home by about five thirty and to eight o'clock. That's family time. Mm-hmm. So, and then a lot of nights, I you know, at that point, I'll go back to work at 8 o'clock if my wife's not working, if I need to. And so, you know, weekends a lot of times are based around naps, you know, so that way I'm limiting any, missing any of that time, so I'm present. Yeah. Um, I think it's really easy to miss all that time. You know, my kids are little, I only have one opportunity with them, so be home and be present. And that was, <clears throat> that was an expectation by my wife, and I'm really thankful that she had that expectation. You know, a long time ago, it was five 30 to seven thirty, no phone, like no work stuff, no, any of this. And, you know, this is our time, you know, so ultimately I still get, you know, I put the kids to bed and I'll put all four kids to bed if my wife is working. And so I'm, I'm involved in there, but you know, with four kids in a business and a bunch of employees, I mean, that is my life, yeah. you know, yeah, friends, but it's difficult because that those things just, you know, we have age two to 11. Um, those things are Pretty consuming, so there's not a lot of time outside of that, and so that's uh, you know finding self care time. And so what I do in self care time is I do art. So most of the stuff I make on a daily basis, I don't view as like, oh, I made this artistic creation. I kind of reject the artist's label a lot um, because I don't. Again, for me, I have to have like really a passionate connection with what I'm doing, and so um, I broke my back last year, so. I I didn't work. No, I fell down the stairs while I was holding our nine month old and I fractured four vertebrae. Um, and so, yeah, so two on the top, two on the bottom. And, uh, but you know, throwing that in there and having to learn to be more efficient, take help and all these other things have been, you know, kind of key things that you've learned, like, you know, take care of yourself. Um, okay. I don't have all the time in the world and you know, sitting there and realizing you know having to rely on other people and so it kind of helps with getting rid of some of those responsibilities or being willing more to pass them on.
0: You you had mentioned as well when I when I went to the shop um, that you kind of deal with competition and overseas because they can kind of sell and create similar things as you so what I guess what do you do to make customers stay loyal to you and and purchase your products rather than go somewhere else?
2: And as a (laughs) follow-up to that how do you protect your intellectual property?
0: You only can so much Mm -hmm. and so
1: it depends on who you're protecting it from. Um, you know, the good thing about social media and the realm of online activities is, if somebody does violate some type of intellectual property in some way, you can throttle them pretty good and drag it out. Um, you know, make people pretty aware. Um, but a lot of it always has to go into the price point, and so being trim and efficient enough to be able to provide a quality product at a price point that is that people are willing to pay, acceptable. right? Yeah. 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 And so. You have to have the consumer in mind, right? They have two options for product, you know, import from a major retailer, right? It's at a very low price point versus versus something that is handmade, higher quality materials, et cetera. Um, But it has to be within, you know, a pretty tight price point um, and trying to make sure you're doing that. And um, again, being aware of how you're pricing things, you know, making sure, you know, don't make it a hundred and one dollars, you know. <laughs> let it fall under that hundred dollars yeah. search function, right? You know, and stuff like that. So you're in the same range as them, or, um, you know, I think that's a lot of it. But, um, I mean, you have stuff stuff that people are going to, you know use ideas and stuff, but you know, that's kind of how creativity works. Yeah. Like you're always going to have inspiration for um, someplace, but it's about being ethical and practical about it. in the fact that you're not, um, being manipulative and deceitful and all of those other things, um, giving credit. Um, and so, I mean, we've had a couple op, op um, a couple times where there's been questionable stuff, but you know, um, haven't really run into too many problems. You know, when you go to like an art show and everyone says no pictures, I'm like, take pictures all you want, right? If you can make mm-hmm. it for the same price or cheaper, then I need to do a better job. Oh, yeah. I yeah, want yeah, <clears throat> to know that. And, and so some of it's going to be a competitive nature, right? Right. You know, and so like, oh, okay, well, you're going to go that route. And so, okay, we'll we'll handle it. You yeah. know, and so, we, but we're realistic and we have plans in how to handle those things. So that way, you know, you're always prepared, you know, part of the psychology and a lot of what I did before was risk assessment, risk management. Yeah. Um, and so in risk management, you have to prepare for the full spectrum of Indeed. outcomes. Yeah. And that means always being prepared for the worst and the best, right? And so that way you can respond without being completely destructed if something yeah. happens, right? You know, and panicking and flailing your arms and complaining and stuff. You no,
0: know, like, all right, it is what it is. Now let's run. So... Back to what I was going to say earlier. So we we're kind of talking about you know how how busy you are with everything, mm-hmm. and then earlier you had mentioned that you're not where where you want to be in terms mm-hmm. of the future. Um, what what does that future look like for you? Does it look like less work on your end? Does it look like you know just a bigger business altogether? Yeah, I don't what, even, what do yeah, I don't even know
1: if I have it that detailed out. I, I kind of one of the things I've always reiterated since I was in my early twenties was yeah my five year plan is i plan and hope to be someplace bigger and better than I am right now, and how that's defined is very vague and. Could be doing anything else, you know. Yeah. Again, wherever it goes is where I will kind of follow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, so even even yeah. though I, I mean, there's more. You know inside I have, I think, bigger visions than that. But they sometimes sound a bit grandiose. And <laughs> so I usually keep. So yeah. So even the team, even my team, sometimes you know doesn't know like the full scale of like what really? I would like to see, yeah. what I what I think is realistic. Um. And those things will happen if we're ready and if that's something that you know is a good fit and um, we think we can do and you
0: know, we'll see still just going with the flow right yeah
1: yeah I mean yeah it, that's kind of just so kind of the way it's always gone yeah and that's
0: opportunities you know I kind of preach that yeah. um, well Marty before we start to close up here why don't you give us you know one one last piece of advice to, to entrepreneurs <coughs> and business owners that are listening today expect in return with only what you give
1: um, being realistic about what you can accomplish and having unrealistic ideas and so being okay you know sometimes I just read uh, I just read um, Elon Musk's one page resume the other day hmm. and if you get an opportunity yeah, look at the headline or the top the top lines on it it's you know if, any, if anyone else said that if you read that, it would sound absolutely grandiose. Yeah. It's all being like it's, it goes into the realm of like you know, looking for a self-sustaining planet and interplanetary travel and colonization right yeah. on Mars like it's I mean you can't get much more grandiose but look yeah. he's doing it yeah. <clears throat> And so you know being realistic about what your capabilities are, but you only know what your capabilities are if you test yourself frequently. Yeah. Um, practice like you play. You know, that way you're prepared. And so there's a lot of times, you know, when it's in the shop during production and stuff, just because you're slow, you know, just because there's not a lot to do, you don't treat it that way, yeah. you know? And so you still are efficient. I would rather watch somebody to be super efficient and then sit around for a half an hour than do the things that only took them 15 minutes to do in a half hour because I know that they're prepared. So if it does get really busy, like overwhelmingly, we're going to be able to respond and not be panicked and, you know, have composure. Um, It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like fire drills. Um, You do them so that way you're prepared. Um, So if there is something, you know know what to do and you're not panicked, right? And so again, that's partly psychology.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I hear a lot of parallels with with your ultra marathon running and, and Knowing your limits, I'd, yeah, pushing your limits, and yeah. doing your very best.
1: It just depends on what you want to accomplish, you know. Yep. Seeing what you're capable of, um, and I think that's it's not for everyone, definitely. You know, a lot of people like you know, my wife; she wants to do her day job, you know, and, and she wants to have that other time, you know. And, yeah. But I'm it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, as much as how you know, I'd like to. Be that guy that, you know, I got done and I just relax. No, brain keeps running. Not
2: wired that way. <laughs> no, not so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great thing if you can uh, obviously, you know, have realistic expectations for what you can do, but not letting that stop you from, yeah, from dreaming From being big. unrealistic yeah, sometimes. Right, yeah. like, you know,
1: everybody else might think you're unrealistic, but, you know, occasionally you have you know, you know have to demonstrate that you're not. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get to do that. hmm
0: Yeah, there's there's a quote I heard, something along the lines of, if you shoot for the moon, you'll land somewhere stuck in space, but if you shoot for the stars, you'll land on the moon. So Don't stop your dreams. Don't stop your goals from from being unrealistic. Who knows what you can accomplish?
1: Sometimes you need to remember that, you know, you need to stop and think, like, is there a box to start with? Yeah.
0: You know, instead of thinking, I don't know, it's just, yeah. Cool. Love it, love it. Well, I've uh, had a lot of fun here today, Marty. Learned a lot from you. Can't believe we're already at the hour. Um, before we close up, though, we have a quick game we're going to play with you. Okay. Um, so how it's going to work is we've got a list of questions we're going to ask you, and you got 60 seconds to answer as many of them as possible. So, <laughs> so I will pull them up here. We'll start. Let I me mean, start. Yep. Three, okay. two, one.
2: If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be?
0: Tacos. Uh, if you could switch places with someone for a day, who would it be? Jeff Bezos.
1: Favorite restaurant. Uh, oh man, I'm really sorry. Judy's in San Francisco. Okay. Pet peeve. Pet peeve. Inefficiency. What's your nickname? Uh, I don't, even have, one. I don't have one. Okay. Like, literally, Marty the Man. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, favorite smell. Squirrel. Okay. <laughs> favorite smell. Favorite smell. Fresh Cut Steel. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Evergreens. Favorite
2: fictional character? Hey. You remind me of The Flash. Oh my <laughs> Time.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I don't know anyone, dude. We're good. We'll go with The Flash still. there. Yeah, we're awesome. going to go with The
2: Flash. Yeah, just uh, how fast you are. Always going. Oh my gosh. And, uh...
1: Yeah, it's not for everyone, dude. Yeah. I'm like... Been running for a long time. Not physically running. I still, well, literally I as well. Physically with running. I've stopped physically running after my uh, second kid. I was getting up at like three forty-five every morning. Mm-hmm. I would go run like ridiculous miles before work. Wow. I'd get home and my wife is up with our like six-month-old, and uh, you know, I'd take a shower and go to work. Yeah, it was really selfish, you know. Post hoc, it was really. And she was like, done done and I was like all right okay oh, yeah I get the <clears throat> message yeah and I mean it was it was a good decision yeah. like yeah so take on the responsibility you know the kids are 50 percent my responsibility yeah. like you know yeah we both work and she has to work just as hard as I do um which is saying a lot so I'm kind of a beast when it comes to work ethic yeah I don't know so yeah someday I'll stop and i be like. <laughs> chill out. Yeah, that's why I'm so no, you're not wired to chill out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's really funny. Like, when we're just doing something,
1: and like, I, anytime we're out, like, we, we'll go something. It's before a pandemic, but like, dude, she's like, hauling, and I'm like, a slug. And she's like, seriously? I'm like, oh, yeah, whenever, when I'm off, you know,
0: slow way down.
1: But yeah, I've been like that for forever. Yeah.
0: Do you ever have a desire to, to do a marathon again? Or are you officially? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I don't think it would. Not, I don't think it would be
1: as hard as. I mean, it should be, and the only reason I say that is because mentally, I've still been running marathons. Yeah, yeah. I haven't stopped that, and if mm-hmm. anything, I've become more resilient, more. You know, like I said, I broke my back last year. I, I had, ten weeks where I couldn't lift more than five pounds. You know, and so. Like mm-hmm. my job was to, get healthy. Yeah, and like you know being completely like just absolutely physically and psychologically crushed and like having to crawl out of that as fast as you can because you have employees and the right. family to take care of yeah. and, you know like I didn't have the luxury of to give up you know? and so again it's just what am I capable of I'm like dude got broken back last year COVID
0: this year and like ready for something different <laughs> what's next right yeah well it sounds like the marathon's That's really nice. like helped with your mental strength and mental capacity to, yeah. to deal with you know anything that comes in your way yeah so nice okay well uh, you know Mari thanks again for coming on we've obviously learned a lot from having you here today um, as we're closing up why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online if they want to check you out and get yeah um, anything hash- hashtag
1: Steel s-a-w-a-n-d-s-t-e-e-l um, or uh, com. We have a standalone at sawnsteel.com, but it just bumps you over to Etsy. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cool.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for being here today. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, we wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Legend Acres. They're an award-winning veteran-owned small business that offers dog training, service dog training, mentor training programs, and more legend acres also offers online interactive training sessions and on-demand classes so you can train your dog from the comfort and convenience of your own home check them out at legend-acres.com also if you enjoyed the show please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button it lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals entrepreneurs and help small businesses grow thanks guys